conducting an experiment. With Dungeons and Dragons dice? <laughs> yes. You know, from here on in, I've decided to make all trivial decisions with a throw of the dice. Thus freeing up my mind to do what it does best. Enlighten and amaze. <laughs> Page 14, item 7. So, what's for dinner? A side of corn succotash. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Uh, no, that's not it. Just come with me, please. Let's see what I'll be washing that succotash down with. A pitcher of margaritas. <laughs> Do you really want that? That's the great thing. It doesn't matter. My mind is freed up to think about more important things. What's it thinking about now? Hamburgers and lemonade. <laughs> oh, look at that. I have a date. I love America again. <laughs> and now for dessert. Come on, hot fudge Sunday. Come on, hot fudge Sunday. Bam! That's what I'm talking about. Are we turned on? There we go. Okay, good morning again, all that sort of stuff. So, always good to start your morning with uh, Sheldon and Leonard. They uh, they can enlighten you and get you going on things, and so that's good. We're going to be looking at uh, making decisions this morning. And that clip, while, it, while it's humorous, in uh, some ways that also, it, it really is, is, is truthful. I mean, it strikes a chord with us because it's easy to grow weary in making decisions sometimes. I mean, you have so many decisions you have to make. In fact, I was looking, the average adult in the U.S. makes 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000 decisions. Now, some of you, you know, you probably think, I don't make that many. Well, you're not all average. So, But, you know, the average, you know, uh, adult makes 35,000 a day, you know. I mean, some are so small, we don't even think about them. Uh, we don't even realize we're making them. Um, you know, things like, well, should I make that comment? Should I not make that comment? And many of you say, well, I just don't think about that. I know. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, you should. Um, or, you know, am I going to go ahead and entertain that thought that I'm having, or should I not entertain that thought? You know, all of those are decisions you're making, and you're making them all the time throughout the day. There's also bigger decisions. Sometimes there's decisions that are much bigger, things like, you know, that will kind of impact the course of your life, like, you know, who am I going to spend my life with? Um, what am I going to spend my life doing? Uh, who's going to really be in charge of my life? Who's going who's to really call the shots in my life? Those are decisions that are very pivotal. And how you answer those and, and what you do with those makes all the difference in the world. So you, you want to really do it. The bottom line, though, is this. Decisions shape our lives. Decis decisions shape our lives. Now, any of you ever struggle with making decisions at all? Anybody? Yeah? A few? Okay. Anybody ever struggle with making good decisions? Yeah, yeah more. Huh? Yeah, 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 many people. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard sometimes to figure out, you know, in making decisions. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at some tools that hopefully will help you in, in making better decisions. Um, let me, let me tell you this before we get started. This is not exhaustive. I mean, you know, there's lots, lots more to learn about how to make decisions. And when you dig into, uh, the Bible, you can begin to find out a lot of 
things about making decisions, a lot of helpful insights and tools and principles that, that will really help you. In fact, actually, before we even get started on, on what I would like to talk to you about today, you know, one thing that I, I was taught a long time ago, um, I was in college, and so that was a long time ago. A guy taught me one time, he said, you know, one of the best things you can do, learn to make some one-time decisions. And I thought, one-time decisions? He said, yeah. I said, what, what are you talking about? He goes, well, let me ask you a question. He said, now, when you, uh, when you come in from, uh, like, Saturday and you've been up late, like, you know, like Friday night, you know, let's say Friday night was Saturday night, you know, when the Dodgers played, they decided to go extra innings. They went, like, you know, 18. And so I was sitting there thinking, I'm sticking with them through 10, okay, maybe 12. Well, now that I'm in and it's 15 innings, I might as well stick around. And so, you know, you, you kind of, you, you get in some things and you're there and you're out late or you've got this going on or that going on, whatever it is. He said, now let me ask you this. He said, when you do that, do you ever have to decide about, you know, what are you going to do about church tomorrow? And I thought, hmm. And he said, do you ever have that thought? Well, I don't, you know, I need to, he said, how much time do you think you spend on that? I said, I don't know. Maybe. 10 minutes, 15. And he said, huh. He said, so like if you're busy and you've got tests and stuff like that, and then you know you've got small group that week, he said, do you, uh, do you ever spend much time on that? And I said, well, yeah, yeah. He said, you know what? You can save yourself all sorts of time. Just make some one-time decisions. Like when they're having church, I'm going. When they're having small group, I'm going to be there. He said, you know, if you make some one-time decisions, what you'll find is this that you save yourself a lot of time. He said, that way, if you get in Saturday night, 2 o'clock, he said, you don't have to wrestle with the decision. You say, hey, going to have a little bit less sleep tonight. Okay, let's get to bed. You know, and it's just simple. So I would tell you, you know, just as a general principle of life, in some areas, it's good. Learn to just make some one-time decisions. It'll, it'll make your life a lot easier. But how do people tend to make decisions? Let's look at that for a minute. How do people tend to make decisions? It kind of depends on where you are in life. For some people, uh, they make decisions based on things like emotions, um, like, you know, that looks fun, or, um, oh, I, I, I want to do that, you know. And basically, these are the people that wherever their emotions go, that's where they go. You know, a lot of times they don't even know how they ended up getting there. It's just, you know, well, that's what. It sure seemed fun at the time. You know, others make decisions just based on desires. That's why they put all of the candy near the checkout. Have you figured that out yet? I mean, you know, I used to wonder, why do they put all this stuff up here? And then, you you know, suddenly you realize, it's me. That's why they put it here, you know. Uh, just your desires. Others' perspectives, you know, you begin to ask yourself questions like, you know, um, will this make me happy? I, I want to be happy. Will this make me happy? Or, you know, uh, if you're looking at taxes, will I get caught? You know, things, all sorts of different decisions that you may ask yourself that you they're really based out of your perspective. Some are based out of desires. Some of them are based out of emotions. Lots of different things. But really what all of those represent for us in one way or another are kind of filters. We filter the decisions we make through those different areas. And fil filters aren't bad. Filters aren't a bad thing at all. In fact, uh, you just want to make sure you're using the right kind of filters. Filters can be very good. Filters can protect you from a lot of things. But you need to learn to use them. So as followers of Christ, for those that have come into a relationship with Christ, you know, what I want to do is suggest some filters that will help you. In fact, even if you've decided, you know, I've never decided to follow Christ, there's still some great things that will really help you to move forward 
in making decisions where they're better decisions with fewer regrets. So not every one of the things we're going to talk about today will you want to utilize in every decision. In fact, on some of them, you know, you'll just use maybe one of the filters. On bigger decisions, you may use all of the filters. So, you know, you want to kind of, you know, use that wisely. The way you use the filters, the way you kind of put those in place in your life is you, just like you did with these other things, you learn to ask yourself questions. So the very first filter that I would encourage you to look at as you begin to make decisions is the filter, you know, God's will. God's will. What Many times as followers of Christ, one of the very first things we're asking when we're trying to make decisions is, you know, what does God want me to do? What, what would God want me to do? And so the question you ask yourself in this case is, what does God's word have to say about this? Because God will never lead in a way that is contrary to his word. And a lot of times I see people and they're trying to figure out decisions, you know, and if you want to make better decisions, one thing you need to do is see what has God already said about something. Because if he's already spoken on it, he's not going to say something different about it. So look in his word and see what he's already said. David said this uh, in Psalm 40. He said, I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. David was saying, you know, God, I, I treasure what your word says. I, I hide it in my heart. Why? So that I can do what you say. He'd already figured out, you know, life's going to go much better if you do. His son Solomon said this, every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Now, you stop and think about it. There's different situations you face, whether it's in, you know, maybe it's in relationships, maybe it's in marriage, maybe it's in work, whatever. And you're thinking, ah, I'm not sure what to do here. I'm not sure how to handle this. I'm not sure, you know, if I should move forward, if I should say something. I'm really not sure what to do. If you look in God's word, there's either a word or a principle or an example in there that will handle pretty much every situation you're going to face. So begin to look in the word of God. If you're facing a situation right now and you're thinking, well, you know, that's nice, but I have to know something by tomorrow. And I don't really know what the word of God says about that. Well, then find somebody who does know what the word of God says and talk with them. And get some input from them because then they can help you out. And that way you can sync up with what God has already said. And you can begin to figure out in this area, that is what I'll do to trust him. Now, in most decisions, in fact, pretty much every decision, God's not going to remove all uncertainty. There's always going to be a need for faith. But it's going to be faith to trust him and obey. And that's really the faith that's needed. A lot of times when we think of faith, we think of faith for like stuff, you know, I'm trusting God for a car or I'm trusting God for a girlfriend or, uh, you know, I'm trusting God for a girlfriend in a car. Uh, you know, I mean, just this thing, you know, we're just thinking about different things. But the reality is that in Scripture, most of the time, faith is you're trusting God for obedience. You're, you're actually trusting that what he says is right. So you move ahead and you act on that and you do something with it. So the will of God. Secondly, your commitments. The question to ask there is what commitments are already in place? Now, much of the time we look at commitments as kind of restraints or inconveniences. The truth is God uses commitments to guide you. Um, I remember back when we were, we were preparing to get married, um, my wife and I years ago. And, uh, when we did, 
you know, right before then, I, I'd been sensing that God was moving and we were moving more towards ministry things. And so there was this church that had talked to me and they said, hey, we, we would like you to come to work for us. Now, here's the thing. And they kind of described it and they what they wanted me to do. And it was this church in this small town in, in uh, Oklahoma. And I was like, okay, okay, you know, and we talked about it. And, and there had been several others I talked with, uh, several other churches that, that had asked me about working there and this church so i thought you know this seemed to be something that that we should do so i thought okay great so weatherford oklahoma so you know i said okay great so we we took this position and and like probably two weeks right at two weeks after that i get this call from one of the guys who had led ministry back in um in college when i was there and he says hey there's this guy uh and he mentions this pastor who was this well-known pastor up in this other state and and he had like you know he was like this moving and going guy and he had all of this stuff and he goes now this guy would like to know about you coming up and being like uh uh on staff here with him and doing this and and i'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh get to work with this guy and i was thinking about all the different things and then all of a sudden i thought whoa 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 whoa, whoa. you've already said yes to this other and then I started thinking about, yeah, but, and then I thought, no, 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 no. You've already said yes. So I said, well, you know, thank you. I appreciate that, but no, I can't do that. And he said, well, are you sure? I mean, this would be a great opportunity. And I said, yeah, no, I can't do that. And so he said, okay. So I left. Well, he asked me at the time after we were talking, he said, well, you know, would you suggest somebody? He said, you know, what would you say? So I suggested this friend of mine. And sure enough, he hired him. He went up. He hired him. The guy went to work there. I asked him later, I said, hey, how was that? He said, that was probably the hardest time of my entire life. And I thought, hmm. And I thought, I I didn't recommend you on purpose like that for that. You know, I mean, but it was one of those things I thought later, wow, by paying attention to commitments, God just protected me from probably what was going to be the hardest time of my life, you know. And so learning to pay attention to commitments, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a big one. In Ecclesiastes, I know God does. God pays attention to those. In Ecclesiastes 5, God says this, It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Do not let your speech cause you to sin, and do not say in the presence of the messenger of God that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry on account of your voice and destroy the work of your hands? What he's saying there is God takes commitment seriously. You, you need to take commitment seriously as well. Most of the time, now I, I, I work with college students and, and mo- thank you. Um, Amber alert, I'm missing. Um, so, you know, most of the time, you know, what I find in working with college students is Many times they are figuring out what it means to actually look at commitments. You know, they're kind of like, you know, commitments are something you mean like, I mean that until I don't. Uh, and uh, what God means about commitments is this, though. Once you've made a commitment, you've got two choices. You can joyfully fulfill the commitment or you can ask to be released from it. Now, if the person says you can be released, well, then you go do whatever. If the person says, no, you can't be released, then you revert to number one and you joyfully fulfill the commitment. But see, that's what you do with commitments. And and if you live life that way, what you find out is God really protects you in so many ways. And 
if you're trying to figure out his will in something right now, one of the key things to look at, what are the commitments that are already there? The third area to look at, God's glory. Now, this is especially uh, an especially helpful filter in areas that are kind of the gray areas of life where you're not sure, you know, it could be this way or it could be this way. I, I just, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure what to do there. Well, the question you asked there, what would be honoring to God? What would be honoring to God? Now, Jesus said in Matthew 5:16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father who's in heaven. What he's saying there is that our lives should be like spotlights that really focus on God, that tend to reveal him for who he is and what he's like. And if we will live life in such a way that we do that, that we really honor him, then folks will have a much clearer impression of who God is. Paul put it like this to the Corinthians. He said, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, you know, when I was in school, I, I, I would see people that they would be trying to figure this out. And, you know, especially they're, they're trying to figure out, you know, okay, this like this whole thing with like drinking and all, eating. I, I, I got the eating part down. But what about the drinking part? You know, I'm, I'm trying to figure all this out. How do you figure all this out? And I had a guy share with me one time. He said, you know, there's a simple thing you could use. He said, just a six, eight and 10 principle. And these verses aren't going to be up here, so you have to take this by faith. But, you know, 1 Corinthians 6, 12, 1 Corinthians 8, 12, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, this verse we just looked at. He says, you know, 1 Corinthians 6, 12 says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. He said, so if you're trying to figure out something, should I do this, should I not? Ask yourself the question, is that something that could actually begin to get control of my life? And if so... You know, walk away. And then First Corinthians eight twelve says, And thus by sinning against the brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. He said, you know, another question to ask is, okay, maybe maybe I've kind of squared away number one, but I'm looking at it and think, okay, maybe I could do this, but if someone else saw me do this and they started doing it, would it mess with them? He said, if so, just walk away. Just walk away. Don't do something that's going to cause someone else to stumble and cause someone else to have trouble. Just walk away. And then 1 Corinthians 10.31, you know, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Just make choices that, you know what, God, I want to honor you in what I'm about. I want to really reveal you accurately to others. So help me to make wise decisions there. And the fourth area, counsel, counsel. You want to seek it out, but, you know, from who? Well, Scripture is always in favor of, you know, more than one counselor, always in favor of an abundance, a multiplicity of counselors. Proverbs fifteen twenty two says, Without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. So one of the questions to ask, oh, then who do you ask? Well, let me give you three, three kinds of people you could ask. One, one is wise people. Now, I'm not talking about like wise guys. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like wise people. Um, you know, people that uh, a wise person does several things. A wise person sees the connectedness of things. They see how this uh, activity relates to this result. 
They see that, you know, what you're doing now is going to end up over here. They see the connectedness of things. They also understand God and they understand how he works. And so one of the people you want to ask when you have questions about things, ask wise people. Ask them, what, what, what is their input on that? Secondly, ask neutral people. People that aren't going to benefit one way or the other from the decision that you're making. You know, you don't ask a car dealer, should I buy this car? <laughs> yes. You know, really? Yeah. And then you go home and go, I got counsel. You know, it's like, no. And you know what? I mean, that's what some people do. Have you noticed that? I mean, some people, they think, who's the most likely to say yes to this? And then they go find those people. No, that's just dumb. I mean, you're just messing yourself up. You know, don't do that. You're playing games with yourself. Instead, you know, look for wise people. Look for neutral people. Third, look for knowledgeable people. You know, if you're thinking about getting married, don't get three of your uh, closest single friends and ask them, tell me all about marriage. And they go, oh, I've got great theories on that. Uh, you know, and, and they share all sorts of things. But instead, you know, find some people that have been married for a while and talk to them. They can give you some real help on that. But begin to find those people. Now, if it just so happens that these people are family members, oh, my gosh, you know, ding, 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 you've hit the jackpot. Because you know what? These are people, your family knows you well. And if your family can line up under one of these categories to where, you know, either knowledgeable or wise or, or, you know, well, they're probably not neutral, but they're kind of for you. But, you know, I mean, if you can help them in that category and get some input from them, great. You know, it all depends on where you are. So the question you want to ask in this is, what do trusted counselors say? What do trusted counselors say? Now, we tend to think something like this. We need to get counsel if we're not wise. The truth is, you need to get counsel if you want to be wise. You know, the wisest man who ever lived, according uh, to, to Scripture, this um, Solomon said, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Now, if there was ever anyone that should not have had to ask for counsel, Solomon. I mean, Solomon just amazed people. He was like Sheldon. He just amazed people, you know. What he did, though, I mean, when he wanted to make a decision, he had counselors. He got counsel on a regular, regular basis. So when do you need counsel? Well, we tend to think we need counsel when we don't know what to do. How often do you feel like you don't know what to do? Not very often, huh? You pretty, well, I pretty much know what to do. <laughs> Maybe a couple of times a year, you know. Usually that's predicated by another bad decision. But, you know, yeah, I just, you know, I, no, 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 no. You need counsel when you don't know what to do, and then you need counsel when you think you really do know what to do. You need counsel in both situations. You want to ask some other people and get input from them and find out what is right, what they need to do. So get counsel. The fifth thing, your future. The question to ask here is, what story do you want to tell? What story do you want to tell? Every decision you make becomes part of your story. In fact, everything you do ultimately one day will simply be a story you tell. 
you know, some of you are in college right now, and, you know, some of you are going to be there for four years, others, you know, somewhere between four and nine, but you're going to be there a, a while. And, you know, while you're in school, you know, you're not going to believe this, but one of these days, there's going to be a little 10-minute story that's told that summarizes college. And you're going to be like, you're kidding. No. But not a four-year story. No, no one will listen that long. It's going to be just a short story that's going to talk about college. And so, you know, that same thing's true about other areas of your life, this area of your life. I mean, many of you right now, if someone says, tell me about your childhood growing up, you don't think, oh, this is going to take 18 years. No, you don't think that. It's, it's a story. And so what you want to do is you want to begin to understand, okay, what is the story you want to tell? Like, you know, life can be hard sometimes. Like, you know, one of the questions you want to ask yourself is like, okay, for some people, um, maybe something happens like maybe all of your teams lose in the same day. And uh, you think something like, is my identity going to be tied to this right here? Or am I going to walk around like in a bad attitude? Am I going to walk around, you know, sulking and stuff? You know. Or you say, no, actually, is my identity much bigger than that? It's already decided. And you know what? I don't have to. That doesn't have to distress me. I don't have to think, fire the coach. I need a, I need a life. Uh, you know, I mean, you don't have to do that. In bigger things, though, you begin to look, you know, um, what, if a, what if a friend betrays you? Somebody that you are so close with and all of a sudden they betray you. You know, do you, do you just get bitter and live that way the rest of your life? Or do you choose to forgive? What story do you want to tell with your life? You know, maybe you're over there and your kid wrecks the car. You know, before you do anything, just kind of take a breath. Think, what is the story I want to tell? Do you want to blow up and talk about, oh, my gosh, how could you be so stupid? My gosh, you know, I mean, I mean, there's millions of other wrecks, but how could you? You know, I mean, or do you want to say, hey, you know what? Do you help your kid to understand cars, paint metal? You're worth much more than that. They're like, really? Yeah, yeah, much more. Ask yourself, you know, what's the story you want to tell? Every decision you make will simply one day be a story. And I would tell you, you do wrong by yourself and others to make a decision without thinking, what is the story I want to tell? Lastly, God's promptings. God's promptings. We want to learn to pay attention to these. Um, you know, maybe sometimes somebody says, hey, you want to go to this party? And inside of you, there's something that, that, that kind of, you know, says, mm, not sure that's a good idea right here. And you kind of, you know, and you think, well, I don't know what that, I don't know what that's all about. You know, maybe I should go, just go ahead and go. And you're like, well, but maybe not. And you're kind of back and forth. Or maybe there's many others says, you know, there's this thing at work and they're going, you know, the boss doesn't care. And you're like, hmm, and you're kind of like, maybe he does. And you just have these different thoughts on, on things. The question to ask yourself with promptings is this. Is there a cause for pause? Is there a cause for pause? If there's a cause for pause, if there's something inside of you that says, I'm just not sure that's a good idea, then maybe you need to wait right there. In Galatians 5, 
Paul speaking to the Galatians says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. One of the great benefits we have for those who've come to know Christ is that God puts his spirit within us and he'll speak to us if we'll pay attention to it and allow us to get to know what he wants us to do with his life, with our lives. Now, promptings can come from different sources. I mean, the enemy, they can come from us, they can come from God. So one of the things you want to do is you want to learn to distinguish, you know, okay, which one of these is this? Um, and the longer you walk with God, the longer you'll learn to really recognize his voice in your life. You'll begin to understand these subjective things much more clearly. Often what I find is this is the only thing that some people check when they're making a decision. I mean, I have had people make some utterly stupid decisions, and I'll, I'll talk to them about it, and they'll go, I just have a peace about it. I'm thinking, what does that mean? You know, I just feel peaceful. You know, I'm, I'm going to go do this, and it's literally stupid. It's all against Scripture. It's against counsel. It's against everything. But I have a peace about it. And I'm thinking, you're dead. Uh, you know, I mean, you're just, you must be just numb or something. I mean, what are you doing, you know? And so, you know, learn to use this, but don't rely on this. The other areas, check those out. Make sure they line up. For most of us, what I would say is this. I think there's probably chapters in our past that we would like to rewrite. Maybe there's investments or purchases you made that you wished you hadn't. Maybe there's relationships that got off track that you thought, boy, I I would like to take that back. Maybe there's invitations you wished you would never have accepted. Unfortunately, you cannot go back and change the past. You can't undo that. You can't undo the bad decisions there. But there is no reason that you have to repeat those. And so... If you will learn to ask questions of yourself now, if you'll learn to ask questions as you're in the process of making decisions, what you'll find out is these questions can really move you forward and help you make better decisions with fewer regrets the rest of your life. Let me pray for us, and we'll welcome the band back up. Father, we pray that... uh, You would help us learn to be wise. You would help us learn to be men and women who really trust you and listen to you and walk with you. Help us to, uh, help us to take the very tools, the very filters that you've given us and put them into work in our lives so that as we do, Father, we can live a life that really honors you and really blesses others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.